Good morning, Woodland. How are y'all? So I am so excited about our message today because we are in the middle of our series called Interfaces, where we are exploring how can we be kingdom people in a digital world. And we are exploring this because we deeply believe that the online space, that the digital world is the front lines of some of the most horrific and raging spiritual, spiritual warfare going on right now. We are recognizing that in online spaces, there's so much conflict, there's so much misunderstanding, there's so much dehumanizing of people, and we want to be kingdom people that step in as wise and thoughtful people and engage with it from a kingdom perspective. And so I am excited for us to dig into today's sermon, which I've entitled Peacemakers Behind the Pixels. And as I teach today, you'll understand why I've titled that. Because for me, I have been interacting with the wild world of World Wide Web for almost like since it began. I remember when I was in high school, I had a debate coach who would encourage us to come into her room during our lunch hours and use her computer to search for research and uh, articles for us to win our debates. And so that, so I started using the internet as a space that had this unlimited access to knowledge and unlimited access to to connection with minds that I would have never had as a small girl in a suburban town in Texas. And then I started using online as a space to learn from people who were posting amazing things on their blogs. And I was scared to be out in that, on, uh, that world, go get on the internet. I didn't want to have unlimited access to the internet. And so what I did was I would subscribe to their blogs and have their blogs show up in my email because I felt like that was a really safe way to just get the recipes and the devotionals that I wanted. I moved on from being online in that way into engaging in different groups online, like in message boards or chat groups, and even following a church that I really, really love as a podrishioner. And then I moved on to being online by actually having a blog myself and starting to engage in some of those conversations that I was so afraid of. And all of my years of being online and being a Jesus disciple online, I have learned that it's intensely important for us to, to engage in those online spaces with a mentality of peace, with a vision and mission of bringing the peace of God with us. Now, some of you might say, oh, Sheeta, I don't have your story. Like, I abstain from the internet, or I've taken things off of my phone. I really hate Facebook. Um, and I, I understand you, and I actually kind of maybe want to learn at your feet a bit, like how did you live without that app? But here's the reality, my friends. We are now built, we, we have now entered into this weird quasi-reliant relationship with the, digital, with the digital world, with the internet, even if we don't like it even if we didn't ask for it. So many of our favorite news sources spend most of their resources and their times building up their digital spaces. I actually have been invited to so many things just through Facebook events, and this is, this is what happens to me all the time, all the time. I'm like, oh, my friend has this thing, and so I go to Facebook, and I go to Facebook events, and then I, put, I remember it, and I put it in my phone, and then a cat meme pops up from one of my friends. And then I'm like, oh, that's so cute. And then an hour later, I'm looking at cats dressed up and frolicking on the beach. What? It is so hard for us to not be sucked in to the internet. So my question for us today is if we have to engage with social media, how are we gonna do it? How do we do it well? And how do we reflect our kingdom values every single time we log on? 
Because what happens for a lot of us, what I've noticed that, per, that contributes to the conflict that we see online, is that we have been fed a culture of engaging online that says, you have to show up, you have to share your thoughts, you have to promote yourself, you have to be the certain way. We have bought into, many of us have bought into a culture that I think is represented really well by this meme. Are you coming to bed? I can't, this is important. What, someone is wrong on the internet. This has happened in my house before, and it wasn't me. So my goal this morning is to give us a third way of engaging with the internet and social media and holding each other accountable to be peacemakers. Instead of running away from it, and instead of ignoring this weird relationship that we've built, we have with the online space, even though we didn't want it, instead of ignoring it and running away from it, and, and instead of running towards it with this determination to prove people wrong on the internet, we are going to engage as peacemakers. And my friends who say that they never use social media or who only rely on email, I bless you and I thank you for your restraint or your lack of interest. But I also want to encourage you to join us in this battle. We need you to enter in as a kingdom person to help us be, those of us who choose to be online, to help us remember our mission of peacemaking. And so today I'm going to give us five ways that we can be peacemakers online. And if you don't feel particularly called to show up in those ways on your Facebook feed or in your Instagram account, Maybe I would encourage you to follow somebody who does feel that way. Somebody in your church who says, oh yeah, I totally use social media and I'm gonna work on being a peacemaker. Encourage them. I have this picture of us um, that I remember from scripture where, where Moses was raising his hands over a battle, praying for God's will and God's victory over a battle. And, and as he got tired, as he was becoming exhausted from praying, Aaron and her lifted his arms back up so he could continue praying and God's way and rule and his victory could, could continue. That the way of the kingdom could invade where the enemy has taken over so much space in the digital world. That is our calling this morning. So maybe some of you are the ones who want to engage, but maybe some of you are the ones that get to hold our hands up. Wherever you are, we need you in this battle. So as I preach today, I want to ask you to hold a picture in your mind. When I say the word peace or peacemaking, I want you to think of shalom, that Hebraic concept of flourishing, wholeness, goodness, and unity. I want you to think of shalom because shalom is God's dream for the world as everything and everything within it. Every relationship as harmonious and working the way it should. And so when you and I enter into an online space to be peacemakers, we are looking for the things that are broken and we are asking God to allow us to partner with him to bind that up, to bring flourishing there. So in our passage today, we're going to look at uh, a way for us to recognize what's broken, and then we're going to look at how we can enter in and bind that up. So will you join me in prayer? Jesus, thank you that we get to partner with you, our Prince of Peace. Help us to know exactly where we fit into this battle. The enemy desires to break down relationships, the enemy desires to steal away people's desire to know you more. The enemy desires to, to feed into our, our, our sense of our egos and our insecurities by the things we post online. The enemy has so many plans for us when we enter in the digital world, but we are gonna push back as your kingdom people, but we so need your help, Jesus. So spirit, 
be in this room. Make this message applicable even to me, Lord. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. So a few things I want to give you a heads up as I'm teaching. This is a really practical message. So if you're a note taker, I encourage you to take notes because I'm going to give you some very practical things that you can do um, as you actually, like, that you can do when you leave today. The next thing I want to highlight is that I'm kind of going to do an overview of the five things that I have been practicing probably almost 18 years of being online since the internet became a big thing for me. Maybe more than that, 20-something years. So I'm going to just do a huge overview, but I'm teaching a class here at Woodland during our Wednesday Together time called What Would Jesus Post? We were using the Sermon on the Mount as our guide to help us discern how we can engage in social media as kingdom people. So if I, after I've flown over the things that I do, I, I do in my practices online, you want to go deeper, you have more questions, I would, consider you mark, I would encourage you to mark your calendar for uh, October 23rd, and we'll jump in together with that. So our passage today is found in the book of James. And before we go into our passage, I want to set up the book for you a bit. James is traditionally thought to be the brother of Jesus. And so James is also uh, a, a, a disciple of Jesus who is really deeply connected to his Jewish identity. And so in the book of James, he is writing to the 12 tribes of the diaspora. He's writing to the 12 tribes, the Jewish followers of Jesus. And what his main thing in the book, it's an intensely practical book because his main goal is to help the, pe- the readers of his, of his letters understand how to live counterculturally in the context that they're in. They're Jews, and so they're very used to language of living counterculturally. They, they're the chosen people. They don't want to look like the nations around them. But here's what James says. Let's not shape the way that we live, the countercultural way that we live only on Torah. Let's shape it on Jesus. Let's shape the way that we live around the life and ministry of Jesus. So we want to be countercultural. We want to look like the kingdom of God. We need to look like Jesus. And so James in his book gives us very practical and clear ways. When we, when we engage online as peacemakers, we want to hold in our mind first Jesus' uh, encouragement from Matthew that we are being sent out into the world like lambs amongst wolves, but we should be We should be wise as serpents and gentle as doves. So we're going to look at now how James picks up and says, okay, here is what wisdom looks like when you are either living into the the culture, living into the world, and then here is what wisdom looks like when you are living as a kingdom person. Let's look at James 3. James 3, 13 through 18 says, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder in every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peacemaking, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So the very first thing that James says when we're looking at this passage here is that we need to be aware of the ways that we have, that we, that we align ourselves with a worldly type of wisdom. And if we think about this passage within the context of our, our engagement online, how many times have you seen somebody post something online out of a place of envy? Oh my gosh, like I saw that she has this really cute scarf, so I'm going to go to Target, and now I'm going to post the exact same scarf. Or bitterness. 
Maybe they read something online that really hurt them. Maybe they're angry about something that they read. And so they post it and they post a long comment about how angry and hurt that they are. And so they started that conversation up in this very public space online. How many of us, when we think of social media, specifically like Instagram, we think of the self-promotion, the hashtags, and the ways that people are always using social media to say, look at the thing I'm doing, look how great I'm doing, buy the thing I'm doing, take my course. There is this sense online that the traditional wisdom of engaging with it means that you have to look and see what everybody else is doing and then post. You have to find something that you're really angry about and frustrated about it, then post. Or you have to have something really great and share with everybody so that they can, promote, they can support you. But that is not what kingdom people, that's not our calling. That's not our mission when we show up online. Our mission is to reflect the wisdom of the kingdom of God. But before we do that, I want to show you a picture of how terrible and how the spiral of falling into that worldly wisdom, how it can easily affect a simple or an innocent 16-year-old boy. So there is a teenager, his name is William, and William is brilliant. He's a mathematician, he's a physicist, he's a musician, and he loves learning just for the sake of learning. He is a boy of deep curiosity. And as he was preparing to apply for school, he decided that he wanted to apply to Harvard because, in his own words, it was a school that focuses on learning and, and, and curiosity and knowledge just for the sake of learning, just to contribute new ideas to the world. He didn't really care about the elite status of it so much. In fact, it's the elite status of Harvard that got him in trouble. So what William did was he applied for, for Harvard uh, with an early admission, And to his great surprise, he was accepted. He was accepted, and he was not only accepted, but given a financial aid package that would make it possible for him to attend school and not take out any debt. This is how impressive this teenager is. And so he obviously accepts. And so as he is getting acclimated to uh, getting to know other people who've been accepted, there's a Facebook group that they're invited to. And on this Facebook group, the kids start sharing memes. So what I showed you earlier is a meme. A meme is an interesting picture and a funny phrase or comment that somehow communicates to everybody who reads it, this is who I am, or this is what I'm into. This is what made me laugh. It touches on maybe a cultural idea or cultural moment in a picture. So these kids start sharing these memes, and and they're really innocent to begin with. They're more just funny memes, goofy memes that teenagers share with each other, as they tend to do. And, and what started happening, this, because this group didn't have a moderator, because this group didn't have maybe a peacemaker paying attention to what's going on, uh, the kids decided to separate, some of them decided to separate and create a subgroup. And the subgroup's main goal was to post as explicit and edgy memes that they could find with each other. And they had this culture in the subgroup that if you posted something that was really controversial, you'd get a fire emoji to say, like, that was fire, that was good. And so in order to get into the subgroup, you had to post something really controversial, a meme, in the, in the goofy group, and then they accepted you in. Well, William, because he felt a little bit insecure, because he comes from a small town, and because he doesn't have national notoriety, and because he's, a, he's really 
he's really nervous about going to a school as impressive as Harvard. Well, what he does is he says, well, I, I, I just really want people to get to know me and to like me. And so he, he tries to get into this subgroup and he gets in. And so in this subgroup, things are getting darker and darker. They're pulling memes from all across the internet. They're going to message groups that, of, of, that are really hateful and really evil and really unhealthy. And they're pulling memes from there. And so when William is looking at this, he really wants these kids to like him. He really wants them to approve of him. And so he one day puts two memes in the subgroup. One is a meme that makes fun of people with disabilities. And another is a meme that condones assault of women. And so everybody, fire, 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 fire. And William was just sucking, taking it in. Just, just, I am loved by these people, I'm accepted by these people, I'm so excited to go to Harvard, until the administrators of Harvard found this group. And this was a nationwide story. In fact, several of those students in that subgroup had their acceptances rescinded. William was one of them. So when we give in to the conventional wisdom of being online, that you have to promote yourself, that you have to lean into your insecurity and maybe show off a part of yourself that's not really who you are, but you think that that's the culture of the group that you're in, that you have to, that you have to look at what everybody else is doing and one up, one up, you can fall down a really dark spiral. What would it have looked like if there was a peacemaker in that goofy group? What would have happened if there was somebody with kingdom wisdom to say, you know what, guys, this isn't good? What would it look like if there were peacemakers behind the pixels? That is our calling to Enera 2. So let's go back to our passage and figure out what does that kingdom wisdom look like and then how can we live it out online? So James goes on to say, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So taking these characteristics that James has given us, uh, we have five ways of engaging online as peacemakers. These are the things that I tell myself every single time I pick up my phone and I want to post something to social media or I want to comment on something that somebody posts. The first thing and the thing that I wish William knew is number one, that my worth is not defined by social media updates or reactions. My worth is not defined by social media updates or reactions. I don't know who needs to hear this in this room, but you are not your updates. You are not the comment that you leave. You are not the research that you've done online. You are not the blog post that you wrote. You are not the tweet that you share. You are a beloved child of God. And even more than that, you are a peacemaker. The Spirit is with you to enter into the space to bring godly wisdom. So you need, to, you need to drill down into the purity of your identity as a beloved child first. This is what I tell myself when I ask myself, do I need to post it? Should I post this thing? I tell myself, if I post this thing, will I get some sense of worth and identity from it? Will I wait for the reactions and the likes? If I will, I take that thing I'm processing and I turn to someone in my real life and work through it. 
But if I think, if the thing I want to post, if I think it actually can help somebody, it actually can start an interesting conversation. And it doesn't matter what other people say or do about it. I am not defined by what happens with this idea. I put it out in the world. That is my practice of peace. Either I practice peace for myself and process in my real life, or I practice peace for others and share it. Because I know that my worth is not defined by my social media updates or the reactions. When I was traveling, when I was in college, I was a part of a traveling drama team. And we had this skit that we would do every single time we went to a youth group. Because we know teens struggle with insecurity all the time. And so the skit was called See Me, Notice Me. And what would happen is somebody would walk on the stage and they would say, see me, notice me, tell me that you love me. And they would do that. They would say it like three times so loud and they would stop. And you'd be like, what just happened? <laughs> and then somebody would walk on and then they would say something just as loud that's stereotypical. So like, I'm blonde, I'm dumb, I throw my hair and chew my gum. So my girl over here is waiting for her to finish her stereotypical chant. And then they start up together. See me, notice me, tell me that you love me. I'm blonde, I'm dumb, I trim my hair and chew my gum. So four or five other people will come on with four or five stereotypical uh, phrases. And before you know it, the room is filled with all of, these, uh, all of these phrases that people are saying, all of this noise for attention to be seen and known by the thing that they think makes their identity. But here is our calling, peacemakers. We get to step out into the World Wide Web and say, you are beloved. Never forget that. You are seen and loved just because you are. You don't have to lean into a stereotype. You don't need a meme to define you. You don't need a status to, to give you your worth. That is our calling as peacemakers. But first, we've got to get it for ourselves. So if I'm really clear that I don't get my identity and my worth from others, I can step into an online space and help others diffuse that, that desire to get their identity and worth from their reactions. The next thing I tell myself as if there is a person behind the post. There is a person behind the post. I, um, I need to let you in on, on a pain, like a, a deep pain that I had a few weeks ago. So I needed to go to Facebook because I had friends coming over, and one of my good friends had shared a queso dip. And I love her because her active ministry is giving us cheese recipes. And so I was going on her page looking for this queso dip so that I can impress my friends. So I'm looking and I'm scrolling and I'm scrolling. And this, this, uh, this happened to be a couple of days before September 1st, so like the very end of August. And I'm scrolling and I'm scrolling. And my friend had this status that just shook me to my core. Like, it made me wonder, like, if we could be friends again. And she said, if you have pumpkins up in your house, please stop. It is not October yet. <laughs> this was a friend who had held my babies and prayed for them. This was a friend who'd seen inside my refrigerator. This was a friend who was just at my house when I was pulling out my fall decor, and I was like, is this girl vague booking me? Like, is she posting something and just saying, like, Oshita, you have an issue and a problem, but she's not really saying my name? 
because she just called the thing that I love out on Facebook. And so I private messaged her, and I, and I, and I like, laughed with her, like, hey, girl, like, pumpkins, because this meme is pretty much my feeling all, ma- all fall. When someone says it's too soon for pumpkin spice, and you realize you don't need that kind of negativity in your life. <laughs> so I shared this meme with my friend, and we had a good laugh about it, and I was like, what is your deal? And she's like, I'm just over it. Like, they're already Halloween decorations in me. And we had a fun little conversation. But here's what happened. I knew the person behind that post. I knew that she was a good woman. I loved her and I valued our relationship. And so it was easy for me to take an initial thing that, that offended me on some level and go to her and say, what's going on? Peacemakers, we get to do that even if we don't know the people. Because the reality is, is every single person who posts everything online is potentially an image bearer. I know there's bots, I know, but for the most part, there's actual human beings made of flesh and blood with hopes and dreams who are actually maybe even saying their own version of see me, notice me, tell me that you love me. And we get to call out the humanity in those people when we show up online. If you don't hear anything else from me today, hear this. Our primary call as peacemakers is to rehumanize people everywhere we go. It's to call out the image of God, the, the intrinsic goodness, the humanity in every single person. And I would, I would say to you that most of the conflict we see online and most of the hateful things that we read online is because we've forgotten that there are people behind that post. So kingdom people, will you be the peacemakers behind your post and call that out on them? Will you, as my favorite meme says, around kindness... If you have the power to make someone happy, do it. The world needs more of that. So the next thing I tell myself, the third thing I tell myself is I want to connect before I attempt to correct. I want to connect before I attempt to correct. This is my way of of being peace-loving and building a relationship with others. So what that means is sometimes people will post unhelpful things. Sometimes people are in process around an issue or an idea and they post it online and and it's not a fully thought out idea and so because it's not fully thought out, it may hurt somebody reading it. It may be unintentionally offensive. And you maybe can look at that and say, oh, that's a blind spot that they have. And so what we get to do is we get to authentically connect with them before we correct them. You see, Jesus didn't run away from correcting people. We actually see through the course of Jesus' ministry that as he's teaching, he's saying, you may have heard it this way. You may have heard, but I say to you. You may have heard, but I say to you. So Jesus actually got in so much trouble because he was correcting people. Because his alternative way of living was so different than the way that people were living, he had to bring some correction. And so there is nothing wrong with you having an insight and sharing it with others. What is wrong is if you get your identity from that. And what is wrong is if you, if you go into it with the goal of winning. So how do we prevent ourselves from doing that? We authentically connect before we correct. So what this looks like for me when I'm online is... When somebody posts something, so I post something and they want to correct me, okay? Um, I first acknowledge that I'm grateful that they posted. 
I say, I recognize the, the vulnerability or the passion or, hey, just thanks for recognizing me and, call, and, and, and starting this conversation with me. The next thing I do is I rehumanize myself to them. I say, well, here's a little bit of my story, and this is why I hold this position. It's interesting that you hold that position, just so that we can remember that we're dealing with two people here. We're not getting lost in the comments and the posts. Um, if I want to correct somebody and I recognize that, I share an alternative way for them to think about it as thoughtfully and as honestly as I can. But it also leaves space for pushback. And I say, hey, I could be wrong. Like, if somebody comments and wants to correct me, I say, hey, I could be wrong. If I'm correcting somebody, I say, hey, I could be wrong. I'm still in process about this. Do you want to have a conversation? Which leads me to my next favorite meme. Okay, let's chat. So what I am known for doing is I will give somebody my phone number and a private message, a Google number. I'm, I'm safe, I'm okay. But I'll give them a Google number and I'll say, hey, let's have a conversation about this. And one of my favorite stories from when I did this was when I had posted something about living in the South and raising biracial boys, raising biracial children, and kind of the things that I struggle with is being a Southerner and a black woman and what I want to teach my children. And this Southern woman commented a long comment about, uh, about the way that my thoughts made her feel. And she, was just re she really was like pushing back and trying to correct me. And we went back and forth a little bit online. And so then I did the thing I do. I sent her my, I messaged her and said, hey, here's my Google number. If you want to have a conversation, I'd love to talk with you. And she took me up on it. Most people don't. See, there are people who just truly show up online to be trolls, to start conflict and just start a fire and then watch it burn. We get to show up as peacemakers and build a bridge. How much better is that? So I show up with this friend, this woman, we're on the phone and she starts telling me about how her great grandfather was a plantation owner. And so every time they talk about the South and race, there's this deep shame that her family holds. And, and as she's hearing me talk about how I'm processing, she's realizing that she hadn't processed her own shame. And she actually like told me her story and asked for forgiveness and I prayed with her. And I was like, let go of that shame, sister. Like, nobody is mad at you. Like, I, I, I'm just processing how I'm feeling. And she was like, well, you know what? Like, I have black friends here, and I didn't know that maybe they feel the same way you do. Like, I'm going to go back and talk to them about this. And it was a beautiful conversation because I attempted to authentically connect with her before correcting her. So the next thing I want, the next thing I tell myself, uh, I want to show you first how it's done really wrong, and then we'll talk about how to do it really right. Instead of mailing everyone my vacation photos, I'm saving a ton of time by posting them to my wall. Ooh, I like that one. It's so quick. It's just like my car insurance. I save 15% in just 15 minutes. I save more than that in half the time. I unfriend you. That's not how it works. That's not how any of this works. <laughs> Okay, so in, two, in 2013, Facebook introduced the unfriending unfollow option. And they said this was specifically to help us curate our feeds, so we were only seeing the people that we wanted to engage with online. But very quickly, this became a weapon that other people used. I actually know a couple that had a huge fight, and then the guy of the couple went and unfriended, his, his, uh, unfriended the woman. And she didn't know, and the next day she was like, what? I don't want to be in their house after she found out she was unfriended. But so many people use 
uh, that, use that function on Facebook as a way of, of punishing others. You made me mad, so now you don't get to interact with me online. Or you make me uncomfortable, so I don't want to hear anything else from you. It's a way to punish each other or avenge our offense that people have used. That's a conventional wisdom for the way that you can use these tools, but peacemaker, or these functions. But peacemakers, we want to use it as a peace-building tool. So the first three things that I tell myself are truly about how I engage with others. The next three things that I tell myself are, how I, are really about how I set healthy boundaries within myself and in my community so that I can continue doing the work of peacemaking, so I can continue having the energy to do so. And so we can use unfriend and unfollow and block and mute and these functions as a way of setting healthy boundaries. But we have to remember that there's a person behind that post first, right? So this is what I do. If I want to use that function and I recognize that somebody is in process about an idea and the ways that they're posting about that idea is not really helpful, this is primarily if there's somebody in my real life, is not really helpful for our relationship when we see each other. What I do is I just go to them and say, hey, look, I, I could tell you're posting a lot about your love for pumpkin spice, and that's a journey that you're on that I don't really agree with. But, and I want to think the best about you. And so here's what I would like to do just for a season while you're working out your terrible, wrong feelings. Well, no, no don't say that, but while you're working out your feelings, <laughs> While you're working them out and as you're processing them online, I'm just going to mute you. I can tell maybe you're having great conversations with other people. I don't think I can be a part of that. And I want to maintain a good picture of you and have a healthy relationship with you when I see you. So if that's okay, I'm just going to mute you for a season. Typically, when I do this, people reply back and they actually say, like, hey, thanks for letting me know. Like, I know people that just got unfriended and they didn't know what's going on. Or, oh, hey, let's meet more and talk about this thing that you're, you disagree with me on. Now, if it's somebody like a, 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 like a political figure or like a famous person that I'm following, and I'm noticing that they're continually perpetuating an us and them, like there is somebody that we hate and we need to be afraid, or they're posting things that, I, that are categorically wrong and unkind, if they're posting things that maybe they're still in process and I just don't want to watch their process anymore, unfriend, unfollow, block, set healthy boundaries for yourself. But make sure that you remember that there is a person behind that post that, you are, that there is an actual person that you are engaging with or taking a break from. And the last thing I tell myself is something that we have gone back to over and over and over again in the series because it is so important. I started this sermon by saying that we want to be kingdom people engaging in this digital space that we are recognizing is wrought with spiritual warfare. And so we want to make sure that you are taking care of yourselves. We want to make sure that you are engaging with social media from a healthy place so that you can be a part of the battle, that you can push back against the work of the enemy. And so we have said over and over and over again this series the importance of taking breaks. And so the last thing that I tell myself is that regular breaks from social media are good for my soul, and I don't have to announce it on Facebook. Friends, my hope is that at least once a week, your life looks like our friend Maria Von Trapp here. This is me taking a break from social media. <laughs> now, it has been proven that taking breaks from social media gives us better sleep, less stress. It reduces our desire to compare with each other. We have more meaningful relationships in our real life, and we have stronger self-control. These are all good qualities that we need, kingdom people. 
So as Jesus followers, our social media fast is important for us so that we can continually go back to number one, which is my worth is not defined by social media updates or reactions. When you work in a regular rhythm of breaking from social media, you break that tie that social media has that pulls at us and says, get your identity from here. Your username is who you truly are. No, your username is beloved. In the kingdom of God, your username is beloved. So I want to give you a very practical thing that you can do because a lot of us say, okay, Oshita, that's like super terrifying. You're telling me to put my phone away. Like, what do I do? Okay, I'm going to give you a practical resource for when you actually put your phone away. So Manusha Marodi is a journalist and a podcast host and author. She was the host of the uh, podcast called Note to Self, which specifically explores the human connection to technology and how we can maintain our humanity um, when we're using technology. In 2015, she inaugurated something called the Bored and Brilliant Project, and it's from her book, Bored and Brilliant, which is an exploration of how we can step away from our online life and allow ourselves to be bored a little bit, and all the things that can happen, how our creativity and our relationships can flourish. It almost looks like being bored brings some, types of, some, op, some opportunities for shalom in our lives. And so the Bored and Brilliant Project that Manoush came up with, it's a five-pocket cast series, and each day, five days, each day she gives you a challenge. And the challenges uh, range from things like delete an app to spend a day daydreaming. So I was doing the Bored and Brilliant project. I, I, I tend to try to do it as regularly as I can, but when I, when I recognize that I'm getting too much of my energy and my sense of life from online life, I pull back and I go through the project. One of the times I was going through the project, I was really trying to work through uh, an issue between me and my son. So I had spent so much time after we moved here uh, trying to find a good school for my kids. I spent so many hours online researching the different schools and applying, but because we came in the middle of school year, it was hard to get them on wait lists for the schools that we wanted. And so all of our kids were placed into their local public school, which is totally fine for, for some. And, and I was actually really excited because I come from a tradition that says, put your kids at the public schools and get to know your, your neighbors and come, get to know the, the people who use your public school. And so I, I put my kids in the public school and I, and I was fine, but my oldest was really having a hard time. Like he was having such a hard time that every day he was eating lunch in the bathroom by himself. And so one night I saw the closest thing to a breakdown that I'd ever seen in my children where he was like, I can't go back there. Like, I just can't. Like, don't make me go back. And I'm thinking, I've done all this research and I'm trying to figure out how to put you in school, but I, there's nothing, like this is your only option. And so I tell my son, okay, I'm gonna pray on this and I'm gonna think about it. For the meantime, just try to go to school and, and let's, let's see what we can figure out after, let's get through the semester and let's see what we can figure out. And he is miserable, so miserable. So I'm doing the Board and Brilliant Project and I get to the daydreaming day. And around here, we talk about the importance of inviting God into our imagination. That when we invite God when we, in our imagination, we sink with the Spirit with us, that God meets us and leads us and guides us, that we know we are loved and we know that God has good plans for us. And so we invite the Spirit into that sacred space with us. And so that's what I did on my daydreaming day. And I have this picture of my son, and he was not standing in the classroom. He was, he was in a different classroom altogether, a classroom that I had never seen, but he was laughing. So he was sitting in a classroom and laughing. 
And I didn't feel like a specific, like it was a word from God, like there is a certain classroom he needs to be in, but that like he was going to find joy at school at some point. And so I came back to my son and I was like, okay, I'm praying for joy and I'm praying for God to open up doors for you to find joy in school. And so I... As I continued to do research after that Bored and Brilliant project, I came across a school that I thought would be great for my son. I suggested it to him, and I said, yeah, let's go. And we looked at the school, and we walked out, and he was like, I think I would really love that school. Like, I think, like, I'll have a lot of fun at that school. And so we get him in that school, and one day, I'm, I'm in the grocery store, and my son sends me a picture standing with three of his classmates, and they're all laughing around their lab table. So making that opportunity to just step back and let God in, to separate myself from my time online and be alone with God and use my creativity and and use my thinking towards my son, inviting God God into that, and then turning and, and, and saying, hey, this is an idea that I got, and I didn't get it online. Like, I didn't get, like, hey, you know, sit alone. I didn't get, like, a school online before... I had my daydream time. I really invited God in because I took a break. I was able to encourage my son. So I don't know what practices of peace could come in your life and in your relationships when you take a step back from from your time on the internet. I know for me that that was an act of peacemaking for my son that he and I will never forget. Now, as I close, I want to share with you one of my favorite practices of peacemaking from one of my favorite artists. Lin-Manuel Miranda is the creator of the musical Hamilton. And he was noticing that every time he logged onto Twitter, that he had a lot of anxiety and he just stepped away feeling overwhelmed and sad and just really discouraged. And so what he decided was that he was going to show up once in the morning and once in the evening and say one encouraging thing. And this, he started doing this, and this caught on. So many people began following him, and these encouraging tweets from Lin-Manuel became so meaningful for people that they actually asked for it to be compiled in a book called Good Morning, Good Night. So my practical challenge for you, peacemakers, is what if you showed up once in the morning and once at night and said something encouraging to somebody on one of your social media feeds? What if you brought a good word to the people who follow you just for the sake of goodness, just so that you can offer sincerity and kindness and love? So here are my two favorite things that Lin-Manuel Miranda tweeted as we close before we go into our benediction. So Lin-Manuel showed up and he said, good morning, you are so loved and we like having you around. Ties one end of the sentence to your heart and then the other to everyone who loves you, even the ones you haven't heard from for a while. Checks not. There. Stay put, you. And then he came back that evening, and he said, Good night! You are so loved, and we like having you around. Ties one end of the sentence to your heart, and the other to everyone who loves you in this life, even if the clouds obscure your view. Checks not. There. Stay put, you. Tug if you need anything. Peacemakers, we are the ones on the other side of that knot. We are the ones that when the world tugs at us and says, see me, notice me, tell me that you love me, we can say, yes, you are loved. I love you, but more so, God loves you. You are beloved. Tug if you need anything. There, stay put in that truth. 
What if every time you showed up on social media, the conversation was a little bit brighter, a little bit more hopeful, a little bit more joyful because you showed up? What if every time you logged on, there was a little bit more clarity, a little bit more unity, a little bit more reconciliation? And what if every single time a peacemaker logs on, the kingdom of, of hell shakes and trembles because peacemakers are on the move? What if every time you use social media as a peace-building tool, we reflect my favorite meme of all time? Not today, Satan. Not today. So if you want to be a peacemaker when you are using the digital space, will you join with me in this prayer as our benediction? This is a prayer from St. Francis of Assisi. Uh, extend your hands as if you are receiving a gift if you feel comfortable, and please say these words with me. Peacemakers, let us pray. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O oh, divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to understand as to, or understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we pardon, and it is in dying that we are born again to eternal life. Go in peace to be a peacemaker in your digital space. Amen.